This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Uh, I'm Eric Branson, and with me as always, my good friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going tonight, Joe? Pretty good, how are you? I'm good. Just want to wish everybody out there a happy new year, because I'm going to go ahead and assume that people have better things to do on New Year's Eve than listen to the Video Junkyard Podcast. So even though it is coming out on New Year's Eve, I'm going to assume that you are listening to us uh, in a bright and wonderful 2022 whatever that's gonna hold for us but anyway happy new year or (laughs) at the very least maybe you're listening to this because you're like i really 2021 sucked and i need to end it on a high note so of course you're listening yes of course or or you're or you're listening to it in 2022 to to start your year off right yeah (laughs) i like i like to think that it's it's like a service we offer a service here offering a service that's right we're going to Drink beer and talk about movies. That's, That's right. We do best. That's the idea. So uh, we've been doing it for 182 episodes now, I believe. Jesus and uh, yeah, it's getting well, up there. And you know, I, just to, to get weird for a second, you and I need to figure out a time sometime before the next century to uh, do New Year's do New Year's Eve together. Because we used to do that quite a lot. Like it was an annual yeah. thing. Is we get get the significant others and kids together for New Year's, and I, I think it was think probably that was before like kids. A, pretty much a tradition before kids became. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and they're all getting old enough now. We're we throw them in a room together, and you know, and yeah, like yeah. in The Simpsons, just add more balls like to the ball pit, and you know, uh, we yep. should look into doing that at some point because like that's kind of the thing, like these New Year's Eve traditions, right? Do you guys have any? new new year's eve tradition that used to be one of ours but you know have you know life goes on i get it but (laughs) what what are some of the ones that you guys have uh developed over the last couple of years we i don't know we haven't been super consistent about anything or haven't really found we we do uh always find a early countdown like on netflix has a bunch of them or whatever go on go if you're a parent and don't know of this uh go and do a google search you'll find it but um, and then put the kids to bed, and usually we struggle to stay up until midnight, but try to do so, and I don't know, have a couple drinks and hang out. We have not gone out. I mean, obviously, the last couple of years, it's been kind of a challenge either way, but even prior to that, we haven't really gone out on New Year's since before we had kids. Um, I want to say the year even before we had kids, we didn't too much, so we were already getting boring by that point, I guess, but... But yeah, as of new uh, traditions, just trying to stay up till midnight, which is <laughs> hilariously enough, become a challenge. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I feel like New Year's Eve parties. Um, that was kind of the thing when I used to do more stuff for New Year's Eve, and and I remember you mm-hmm. you and I would get together and stuff, and it would be like we're all gonna meet here, and we're staying here. <laughs> Yeah, um, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna go hit the bars or anything like that. It's like you'd get a hotel room and a bunch of people would crash there, or you go to somebody's house and they're throwing a party and you're gonna stay there for the night, um, you know, because nobody wants to be out driving around, which is kind of the one of the traditions that we we started to is like you go somewhere for the evening and you stay there. But um, since we've had yeah. kids, it's been you know, when, when they were really little, we'd get them to bed and then we'd stay up and ring in the new year. But, um, ours are, are just old enough now where they can either hang until new year till midnight or almost. Um, Mm. but, uh, but yeah, just kind of staying home, usually grill something, uh, special for new year's Eve. And we've also kind of gotten into like Yule over the last few years. Right. Yeah. You were saying that last year. Yep. And so we we actually like trying to like all right you know do the whole burn a log at least a little bit and then you burn the rest of it or at least more of it the next year and so yeah I've got my remnants of a Yule log from last year I need to throw in a fire which will be my Weber grill 
<laughs> we and probably burns <laughs> the little bit of Christmas cardboard packaging we did have. We'll be burning mm. that too. So, um, yeah. Th- speaking those are of the little ones, yeah. Speaking of New Year's party or, or New Year's Eve memories, um, am I mistaken or did did you didn't you propose to your wife at one of our said New Year's parties uh, not so long ago? So that's definitely a New Year's memory that. That I have, I'm sure you yeah. probably remember that as well. But yeah, I, I um, <laughs> it, it turns out when you totally put her on the spot, she mm-hmm. makes bad decisions, and you know, married. yeah. So yeah, no, well, good <laughs> thing you tri- tricked her into that. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> no, yeah, that was yeah, we did that. Um, that was actually the first New Year's that she spent like kind of away from family and stuff. So that was cool <laughs> among all of us, among yeah. all of us heathens and, and wackos. But yeah, no, New Year's Eve has always been kind of a, a fun evening. I, I, I still remember uh, the the New Year's Eve going into the year 2000. In the year 2000. Because of like the global panic about Y2K mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. I still remember that. That was, you know, my, my, it was my senior year of high school. So I'll never forget that one. That, and I didn't go anywhere. I was home. You know, I like rang yeah. it in with a couple of friends and my dad, but it was, uh, yeah, I was, I was hanging out with friends at a house that was probably about a block away from where you lived, so, uh-huh. which is odd, but <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. New Year's Eve is, is an odd holiday because really you're, you're celebrating the end of a year that is measured on a calendar that is totally arbitrary. Right. You can, and you can. the beginning of a new one that is just as arbitrary, so like. I mean, you it, it, realistically, as long as you're consistent, if something bad happens at any point in your life, you can just be like, all right, I hereby declare that being the end of a bad year, and I'm, I'm recognizing the new year now, <laughs> and yeah. a year from now, I mean, I get the 365 thing, because, you know, orbital parameters and whatnot, but yeah you you can just do it whenever it doesn't matter as long as you're consistent just don't change right. the year if you decide like june 17th or whatever is the new year as long as you celebrate it there every year why not that's uh yeah so maybe if like something really shitty happens to you at one point of the year give it six months and start your new year so then that shitty thing will always be in the middle of your personal year and not yeah. like marking the beginning or end. It's it's the apex of, it's like hump day, you know. And then it's all downhill from there. Just yeah. do it in the middle. Super shitty thing like a bad fraternity prank or something like that, right? So. Man, this movie <laughs> swept a rug out from under me, and it, it the university aspect is a big part of it. But yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of bad New Year's decisions. Yeah, bad New Year's decisions, no. <laughs> uh, New Year's themed movies. Um, somehow we came up with this one and didn't come up with the um, probably more appropriate slasher film, New Year's Evil. We'll have to save that for a different time. But and for this New Year's, we chose the classic slasher movie, Terror Train. <laughs> Students aboard, 
It's going to be the one party to end them all. They're always walking out of my parties. But this time, you can't. Big college party. It's a joke. Goddamn practical joke. Train. I don't want to get back. From 1980, um, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, um, Ben Johnson, Derek McKinnon. The debut feature of Roger Spottiswood, who would go on to direct some some movies you might have heard of in the 80s, uh, Air America. Um, oh, he directed a James Bond movie, Tomorrow's Never Dies, I think, uh, with Pierce Brosnan in the 90s. So. Oh, God, yeah. Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, Turner and Hooch, Shoot to Kill, yeah. Best of Yeah, Turner and wow. Hooch was the one I was going for. I knew it was like a well-known, like, people, well-remembered film that people love. Yep. Um yeah, so uh, started off with with this um, vehicle, yeah. literally. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, Terror Train. If you've never heard of Terror Train, uh, during a hazy during a hazing, a fraternity of pre med students has a particularly sinister prank in store for one of their timid pledges. With the help of a co-ed, Elena Maxwell, they pull off the prank so well that the pledge needs to be institutionalized as a result. After several years pass and people forget the incident, those involved with the prank are ready to celebrate their graduation by having a costume party on a train, but they haven't escaped their past yet. It's almost like prom night on a train, right? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit, especially because it stars Jamie Lee and... uh, it's a uh, you know an early revenge-based slasher film. Um, yeah, like, so, didn't she didn't she shoot this one pretty much right after? Yeah, she was in Toronto shooting, shooting prom night, and I believe she went directly from prom night straight over to Terror Train. Uh, so yeah, she's she was just after Halloween, she couldn't get away from these things, and I have a feeling that's why she spent some the majority of her career staying away from these things until recently. She's kind of dived back in, but yeah. Um, well, and also you're you're you know like of all the other people in this movie, there's a very special guest star, David Copperfield. Yes. David As in the magician David Copperfield. Yeah. Yeah. Very um, young kind of greasy David Copperfield. <laughs> yeah. But he's uh kind of oddly pigeonholed into this script. Uh even just his character like and so he doesn't have a lot to work with in the first place and then, you know, he he's obviously an entertainer, he's a stage magician, but he's not like from the get-go, you see he's not really an actor per se because <laughs> uh, it's a yeah. little rough. But Yeah, but yeah, his, it's, his an, pattern it's needs interesting that he's here. So. Yeah. Well, apparently that was because somebody, one of the producers or something, saw his act and was like, "Oh, let's let's get him, let's write him into the movie." Yep. Yep. And then he becomes the what highest grossing magician of all time or best selling yeah. or I don't know something living along legend. those lines. Yeah. He's considered a living legend. Um, so. So the, yeah, what, Roger Spottiswood, David Copperfield, this. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis, this movie makes legends. It's it like, does. Yeah. One yeah. of the things that um, <laughs> kind of shocked me about this personally is that the university that these <laughs> students are attending when they do their That's hazing and everything note. is fucking Northern Illinois University where I went <laughs> for grad school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, it's a bunch of Huskies. I I didn't figure it out that it was actually like literally the students were from Northern until about halfway through, but I did catch a Northern um, sweater early on, and then I don't know. It all made sense with like the team color, like because it was all fairly consistent with like black team red, colors yeah. and like yeah. So yeah, I was like, wow, this is actually set at Northern. So not only your um, where you did your master's degree, my my 
father graduated from yep. Northern as well. So yeah, a lot of people that grew up where we you know went to Northern. So yeah, I mean, it, yeah, NIU awesome. was like about what it was like an hour away from where we grew up. So yep. if you wanted to go hang out with like the college kids, you went to NIU. I went to first time I went to DeKalb, which is where NIU is. I was uh, in high school to go see Fiona Apple live. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how many listeners are laughing about that, but it was an awesome show. I'm, I'm, um, no, I, I would have. Yeah. I wish I would have gone. That was cool. <laughs> uh, Especially yeah, so, then, yeah. So, yeah, that was like 1999 or something like that, uh, or early 2000. But, yeah, this I, I was kind of surprised. I mean, I can't think of... And I, I was trying to actually do some research on this. Like, why did they pick NIU? Who on, like, the writing or the production or whatever was an NIU grad? Because yeah, you know somebody most... was, because that's the only way they figured out to pick NIU. But Yeah, but it's, like, the movie was written by Thomas Y. Drake, who's from Vancouver. So, okay, I don't think he... Maybe he just randomly picked one, like in the Midwest. Like, where do they have trains? Like, yeah. Well, and, and so they you have know, trains and, in Canada. And that's the thing that screwed with me too. Is I'm like, okay, so they're from DeKalb. They're on a train. Where are they going? Oh, the where are they going is a big question I have in this whole in this whole like, movie. But there's there's a lot of uh, suspension of disbelief had to be be put on for this whole thing to work. But well, yeah, because there is no Amtrak in DeKalb. And there hasn't yep. been for even earlier than but the 80s. But it is stated early in the film that this is not a commercial line. It's like a novelty line. And that's the reason they don't have a radio aboard is because they're not actually, uh, like, I don't know, trade. I'm not sure. They're I don't not remember like how they describe right? it. But, like, yeah, they, they are, like, for hire. They do, like, novelty runs for parties and stuff like that. Um, okay, so, so imaginal yeah, defunct not train company. An Amtrak. But they okay. still have to run on tracks, right? Like, so, like, where <laughs> are we talking? But Yeah, because, like, even in DeKalb, I guess there was an old train station there that, I don't know, maybe they're going in the 80s, it was still active. But, yeah, whatever. I don't know where they're going. Maybe St. Yeah. Louis? Because I'm knows? just I'm picking, but like, where go, do lines run? Maybe just, like, go and go and go and are in the middle of nowhere the whole movie. So, it's, uh... It's not in Montana, you know. I figured they'd run into some small towns that they, could stop they, for help or something. They but all, guess not. They all died before they got on the train, and it's a ghost train, <laughs> and that's why it <laughs> oh, stops anywhere. Head cannon. Um, yeah. No, this this one. I mean, it. God, this one has so many. Like it, it hits all the notes of the this era, like the nineteen late seventies, early eighties slashers yeah. which prior to friday the 13th prior to nightmare on elm street so we're talking just halloween has happened yeah um and you have like kind of these direct knockoffs of the success of halloween uh, many of them being holiday based my bloody valentine um yeah black christmas uh, yeah black well yeah black christmas to a certain extent yep um but yeah and uh so prom, prom night and Terror Train both happened to, you know, star Jamie Lee Curtis, who was also the star of Halloween, coming off of her success of, in that movie, uh, gets typecasted as the heroine in uh, both of those things. We, we did cover Prom Night way back when uh, on the show um, in our two-part Video Junkyard podcast goes to the prom special, so go check that out if you... Uh, you want to dig back through some of the archives and, and find that one. Yeah, we paired that one with um, Carrie, didn't we? We did. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So two two prom movies. Um, this one is kind of your standard late seventies slasher movie, and often Halloween is referred to as also a revenge style slasher movie. I don't think Halloween really fits that, but for some no. reason, a lot of the movies that that follow Halloween latched onto that concept. Uh, including the most famous of them being Friday the 13th, which is certainly a revenge-style slasher movie. Um, but that is that there is a victim, somebody who is wronged um, by a group of people that are you know, usually pretty detestable people uh, in the first place, and they kind of come back years later and enact revenge in some manner against them, whether it's supernatural or not. That's a theme that runs through many of these early slasher movies. And in this case, it is uh, young, um, a young pledge to the fraternity that is 
uh, Kenny Ham- his name's Kenny Hampson, played by Derek McKinnon in the movie, um, who is uh, at a really uh, sleazy fraternity party where all fraternity pledges have to get laid in order to get their uh, I don't know be accepted into the fraternity. I don't, I, I don't speak fraternity. I'm not sure exactly what it's called, but. Um, is hooked up with, uh, supposedly hooked up with this girl, Elena uh, Maxwell, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and they get him up into a bedroom or whatever. Essentially, this fraternity is mostly pre-med students. They're able to steal a cadaver, and he ends up in bed with this, you know, cadaver of an old woman, so an old woman's dead body. Missing her arms, I would add. Yeah, everybody pops out, has a good laugh. Kenny, uh, not so much, wraps himself up in the bed curtains and drives him and apparently is, you know, institutionalized insane after this experience. So, And I I, I don't blame him. Yeah, um, that's yeah, pretty, pretty savage prank. It it's is not, a not pretty real savage like, prank. I mean, I, and I don't know, maybe in the 70s the idea was that it wasn't that bad and kenny would have just gone and say no i could see how that would could have an impact on somebody that's pretty horrific yeah it's it's pretty bad (laughs) um and the thing is is the movie i felt especially for the era doesn't take it too lightly it seems like it's taking it lightly but then once you get to know some of the characters later especially doc manley who is like the president of the fraternity he's not there is an actual president of the fraternity he's one of the like head guys in the fraternity um he's friends with jamie lee's boyfriend and um he literally kind of becomes a villain in this movie because he's just such a detestable person like just yeah. Just the worst kind of stereotype, uh, ultra male fraternity jock asshole. Like, I don't know. Um, but so it's interesting that this movie very much sets up. I mean, obviously, we, we, we don't really like condone Kenny's, you know, eventual actions, but it certainly sets up him uh, versus somebody like a, a Doc as the real villain of the film, you know. Uh, Kenny obviously is uh, affected by that, and uh, I don't think you condone his actions, but right, uh, yeah. Um, it also gets confusing too because a lot of these characters—they're all on this train for New Year's Eve, and they're all wearing costumes. Oh, yeah. So, flash forward, new New Year's Eve yeah. party, costume party on a train, train that's we're not sure where it's going. Yeah, <laughs> the road to nowhere. Um. Yeah, and and so, but and you know, to to, I brought that up because you're you're mentioning how uh, you mentioned how like you know this they they take this prank surprisingly serious for the time that the movie was made, and yeah, you you pick that up because whenever somebody mentions uh, mentions him, they all kind of like no, don't you know like they they cut that off yeah. real quick. Yeah, um, even the people involved in in the prank, except yeah. for Doc. Doc is unapologetic, but pretty much everybody yeah. else is like, "Nah, that was not, not yeah. so funny." Yeah, that was that. Yeah. Well, he was the one really behind the whole thing, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. The rest yep. of them just kind of went along. He was with known it. for his off the wall pranks that always went too far. Like he was always like, you know, going to the point of faking death or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him it, and him and a short lived character uh, named Ed. I think at the beginning of the film, who were, who's where the killer got the Groucho, the famous Groucho Marx mask from the poster. Yeah. Uh, from, but, yeah. Yeah. Because this... they think Ed, they think Ed is pulling a prank when he's impaled by a sword on the train platform, but it turns out nope, Ed is actually just impaled by a sword. So. Yeah. Well, that's kind of an interesting thing about a lot of the kills in this is that they happen not like because somebody wandered off into the wrong car or room or whatever they happen because nobody's paying attention but they happen around lots of people mm-hmm. so almost like, every single one every, yeah almost all of these are with with few exceptions most of them are just a big crowd and the music's loud and everybody's partying and having fun and the killer comes in stabs somebody and then leaves yeah. uh, and the the and, killer unlike in many films uh, keeps changing costumes. I think he has eleven different costumes that he has on in this movie. So oh, wow. it's yeah. kind of an interesting take. 
um, the fact that he keeps changing his. And when you get that 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 image, if you ever have seen the Terror Train poster, I think the image that is seared into your brain immediately because it's a cool poster is that Groucho Marx mask. Yeah. Uh, the conductor's outfit with the Groucho Marx mask. But that's only one of many things that this, you know, character is dressed in um, throughout the movie, uh, which is an interesting angle. <laughs> like, because he kind of hides among everybody because of the costume aspect. Right, right. Which, I, you know, we were talking about New Year's Eve stuff. I haven't, I've never been to a New Year's Eve party where people wore costumes, but that seems to be a trope in lots of movies. So I'm wondering, in the 80s, yeah. was that a thing? Like you went to New Year's I, I'm Eve parties say, yeah, in costumes. Yeah, because it shows up in so many movies. But yeah, I've never, I've never been to one or heard of anybody having a party like that. But since I get most of my worldview from '80s and '90s movies, I'm gonna say yeah, that's probably a thing. That was a thing, because yeah, <laughs> I mean, Trading Places does that, and you know this, and I, yeah, mm-hmm. like where did all the uh, costumed New Year's Eve parties go? Um, <laughs> So, yeah, the, the, the kills in this one um, are, are, I don't know, I thought they were kind of interesting because, again, because you're around so many people, it's a lot of, like, you know, you don't see a lot of the, the kills happen on screen. Some you do. No. And some happen, you know, like everybody else when you're not looking. Yeah, this is a pretty gore light for a slasher movie. Like, yeah. it doesn't have a lot of, like, violent... Uh, gory. Uh, there, there's some gory crime scenes, like some blo- you know bloody stuff everywhere, but generally not a whole lot of like uh, you know stabbing or cutting kind of things you would expect from this kind of a movie. Yeah. Well, and also there's you know we mentioned David Copperfield's in this, and of course there's a couple of magic scenes where he's doing like a magic show. Um. And he's good, but. They'd almost. I, I read one kind of review about this movie, or like an introspective on it, and I thought it was interesting and worth bringing up. And that's so you've got magic show going on on this train for the party, <laughs> and there's mm-hmm. illusions going on, and the the there are some people that survive longer because they're kind of seeing through the illusions in mm-hmm. a way, and then you have your people that are like just kind of suckered into it and they're the first ones killed so there's almost this magic illusion changing costume theme going on here it feels like it's a little it's it's well done it's pretty organic yeah Yeah. i was kind of surprised it's it's a smarter movie than it has any right to be i think (laughs) like yeah um and the script's not perfect but it's certainly somebody um and and most likely the writer i believe is written by one person ty drake um put a lot of thought into like what exactly was going on here um especially setting up kind of the red herrings here and there especially the magician red herring mm-hmm. having kenny be somebody who's an aspiring magician as well um and that, that magic and illusion and the costumes and everything kind of flows through the whole plot of the movie um yeah it, it's it's certainly a little a little higher concept, I suppose. And it's hard to call something like this high concept, but a little higher concept than some of the, you know, movies that would follow. Because this the slasher trend obviously continues well into the '80s. And there are many, many, you know, one movie offshoots that you know, weren't the big successful ones that you could find if you go looking. And they're not all as good as, uh, or as well thought out as this movie. I'm not gonna necessarily say everything they did here was perfect, but yeah. Yeah, it. When when I started watching it, I was like, ah, oh, and I read the film synopsis. I was like, oh crap, this is going to be, you know, standard. It's gonna, this is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is well, this is going to be, essentially, uh, you know, prom night on a train, and it, it is, mm-hmm. but it actually does it pretty good. Yeah, um, I think it's. I think it's a better screenplay than prom night. I think it's executed better. I think it's actually shot kind of interestingly uh, i think probably out of necessity because it was shot on a train like even though the train wasn't actually moving but yeah um there they had to get creative about how to make this whole thing work so it gives it this nice like claustrophobic feel which actually kind of makes it creepy at times um uh 
the one thing that kind of bugged me that was a big suspension of disbelief, uh, well, two things. I think you have to give your suspension of disbelief right away to the explanation of, oh, this is a novelty train, so we don't have a radio on board. We can't radio for help if anything were to happen. They give you that, like, right away, like, right out of the gate. Yeah. So that's kind of like, okay, even in 1980, I'm not buying that, but okay, whatever. Uh, second thing is what we talked about earlier is where is this train at? It's like out on tracks, like in the middle of nowhere for hours, just going and going and they don't have anywhere they can stop for help. It's like, okay, you just, you know, you in theory left to Calb, Illinois and took off. It's like, uh, you know, we're not in the middle of nowhere. We're not in the Western United States where literally there are some, you know, some places where that legitimately could happen. But this, this train's going to go through some towns you could stop for some help here or there, get everyone off the train into safety. You don't have have to all get back on the train and such. So if you can do that, if you could give suspend your disbelief for all the train things, then I think you're given a fairly rewarding experience um, for for a slasher movie. Um, it's it's you could do worse. <laughs> True. True. Um, um and you're yeah. talking about the magician uh, on the train, like the hired magician. And I love that there's a line in there that just a throwaway line from somebody uh, might even been somebody talking to the fraternity president, like, who the hell hired a magician for this thing? And like, I feel like that uh, when the screenwriter was given, like the the producer was like, yeah, go ahead. You got to throw a magician. We got David Copper. We got to throw a magician character in there. I feel like he wrote that line in there just to be like, yeah, who the hell wants a magician in this script? So, but anyway, funny line. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> well, they, they rip. They just kind of like rip on Copperfield in the entire movie too. Like the well, especially Doc, which is uh, I hate that guy. But yeah. Oh, let's make him disappear. It's just like, it, I don't know. <laughs> you're on a train. You're drunk. It's New Year's Eve, and there's a magician. You should be happy, and you're not yeah, getting murdered right like away. Yeah, sounds like a good party. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do Do you really buy though? Like when you kind of get towards the end, and there's the big reveal. I guess that's the thing about like these prom night and terror train, and you know all these like knockoff slashers from the early '80s and late '70s is. Was anybody really surprised by these? Like, were these, the the reveals and twist endings really effective? Yeah. You know, it's like you watched a 15-minute <laughs> prologue to this. I would hope you would put two and two together. Yeah, I don't think this movie ever really was trying to... At least, if they were trying to, they didn't do a good job of hiding who the killer was. It was more like, where was the killer... How was he operating? You know, how did he get back in? Where was he hiding? Kind of thing. I I don't think for a second after that prologue that anybody was questioning whether it was going to be Kenny or not. Um, the the red herring, quote unquote, that they threw at the uh, magician, I think was totally based on the idea that they thought the magician was Kenny, um, because of his you know uh, they found all the stuff of his you know interest in magic and such from whatever it was a yearbook or i don't know i'm not sure what where they found that but um a flyer of some sort with him being a magician so i think it was entirely the red herring aspect that was entirely based on that this guy david copperfield's character is kenny not that they were ever trying to hide that the killer was kenny because i mean i think that was set up from the get-go yeah um Okay. Which is different from some movies. I think some movies do try to like pull one on you. And, like a whodunit. And, un, yeah, unsuccessfully. And this one could have gone that route, but I think it was just so obvious that that's who it was going to be. <laughs> well, um, I mean, the the other thing you get in some slasher movies, uh, and I'm not going to point out obvious examples, but it might have been like, hey, it's Kenny's angry sister instead of like, right. you know, Kenny. Um, or the mom. Right. I didn't go there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. It. Which is actually one of the really good slasher twist endings that works really well, especially when you think you're watching a Jason Voorhees movie. But anyway. Yeah. Well, I. This one is similar enough to Prom Night where I feel like it warrants the comparisons. And. Yes, it, it does. It gives it points because, okay, there is dance. Like you and I were talking about while watching. <laughs> yes, there's dancing. But there's not that horrible prom night song from prom night. Yeah. 
There's the disco and there's dancing, but it doesn't go on and on and doesn't have its own theme song. So There is a great brief scene of Jamie Lee Curtis doing this dance. Like, <laughs> what what the heck? I got to look at my uh, my notes real quick. She she calls it something. Um, it was like this, like the, this, you know, funk dance thing. And it's terrible. And it's like what, clearly bad yeah. acting in it. Um, but that's like the extent of it. It's just mm-hmm. there's music. And there's a lot of scenes where people are like dancing in the background, but it never becomes like the feature like that incredibly long scene in prom night that's just painful so right so it gets some some points for that uh, even though they're this was being shot well immediately after the other one was so they probably didn't even know about each other but or what was right. going in yeah. um but yeah it is definitely more coherent than mm-hmm. prom night which was cool yeah something i wanted to talk about is the presence of ben johnson in this movie who is a classical Hollywood, usually a Western, kind of a heavy in Western movies mm-hmm. and, and crime movies in the, in the 50s and 60s, um, shows up in this movie in 1980 as an older man playing the train conductor and actually yeah. has a very prominent role. And he, I think he just does a great job with it. He's like Donald yeah. Pleasant showing up in Halloween, you know, so. Yeah, it, it um, kind of a look of what could have been, you know, if, if yeah. he was in more more things like this. Yeah, the... The, the the staff of the train like the brakeman and the train conductor really adds kind of a cool dimension beyond just dumb teens getting off one by mm-hmm. one or college students getting off one by one you've got these the responsible adults more or less yeah who recognize some shit's going down and we're trying to figure out what it is um, and yeah and he really yeah, kind of leads and- that and it's really really good and he gets to play, you know, the detective in a way. You know, if this were uh, Murder on the Orient Express, he's the Perot character, right? So that's exactly. a, a bit of a stretch of a comparison. But it's on a train, so I'll allow it. We'll work for it. Yeah, it works. It works. <laughs> so, but yeah, he, he does a good job, especially being that he's an older older guy and he's paired with mostly a young, like, teenage, well, teenage in big quotes because they're all obviously in their mid-20s. But um the rest of the cast is all much younger than him and he's kind of out of place as even as a character in this in this setting um but the way he kind of deals with tries to manage the situation and gets to play detective is cool i think it's actually a pretty good role for ben johnson i think he's great in it so i i I recognize his face from stuff but i can't think of like what i know him from um but yeah I, i pretty much liked him right away in this and he 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 kind of carries the movie in a lot of ways. He makes putting up with the kind of more obnoxious, and Jamie Lee is great in her own way, but she's playing the character she was, you know, pigeonholed into playing after Halloween. So, um, but yeah, Ben Johnson kind of carries this movie and makes it easier to put up with kind of the obnoxious amateurish performances we get from some of the teenage cast. So, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. There, there's the scene with him and the brakeman when they go in because they think and I, you have to forgive me because I, I forget some of the cannon fodder college student character names um, of course the, the kid in the lizard yes, suit <laughs> um, yeah who uh, I don't remember his name either um, but yes yeah <laughs> who has been killed um, and he's been seen killed and then you know he goes and gets a conductor he comes back and it's actually the killer in the costume kind of coming to that's one of those great costume changes and all the blood's cleaned mm-hmm. up but then they find like the bloody rags and stuff like that which is a nice touch in the storytelling yeah it adds to that I, detective thing like no they're not you're not just going to ignore the fact that somebody cleaned up all that blood you're going to find those the evidence of this Mm-hmm. Um, that that added a nice dimension well, to this, and then when he finally finally like discovers the subsequent victim, which is mm-hmm. the girl that picks up the guy in the lizard costume when who's actually the killer and, and walks right. off, uh, then he start he actually puts two and two together and he goes back and that's when he finds all the stuff. And he's like, oh okay, so it does it carries it it helps carry it forward, and then it becomes almost like you know the staff of the train. So what 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 the conductor and the brakeman are working on in the movie is is 
attempting to solve this mystery and to keep get keep everybody safe as much as they can. Mm. Um, so it almost becomes a manhunt on a train with a character or a killer that keeps changing faces, you know, keeps changing costumes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think you end up with a slasher movie that's a lot more interesting than many of its other, you know, um, contemporary um, movies that are like were a lot like it at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we picked this one because it's like a New Year's Eve, right? That's the whole thing is the party taking yeah. place on New Year's Eve. Um, it was a, a little bit disappointing that it it literally... Didn't countdown? It didn't, and it literally <laughs> is just kind of like the excuse to say there's people partying on a train. They don't really yeah. do anything else with it. Um, you know, it doesn't even happen like at a climax or anything like that. It's just, it's it's the setting. Um, it's like they had an opportunity. They could have they could have used that to their advantage, but instead we do get your kind of quintessential slasher: the killer's killed, or is he? No, nope, he's not. He's back. You know, for like one last quick scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't yeah, do and- the 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 ridiculous. You know, it was you know no the killer's still alive kind of thing, which is nice. Yeah. Well, they also don't kill him seven times. They do it once, and they. Have yeah. their have their fun with it, and uh, yeah, and and I actually wanted to talk a bit about that final scene because I think that's really where they nail down using the train space as a really effectively creepy um, kind of claustrophobic situation, and the final mask that Kenny is wearing, the witch mask, is, yeah, is by far the creepiest one <laughs> that oh, he yeah. puts on. And it's actually quite a good scene, and really it's just him stalking and, you know, um, terrifying Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Elena, and um, throughout this, you know, this one car, and they kind of fight and have it out, and then into the hallway, and then he's, you know, tossed out of the train, and uh, then makes his, you know, typical slasher return from the from the dead but yeah they, they pull it off i think it's uh doing it once is fine um i think we all knew when we didn't see the body that he was coming back but you know it's also 1980 we've only, they've only seen this this kind of cookie cutter slasher movie a couple times at this point where and you know watching it in 2021 or 2022 if you are um we are just so saturated in, in that plot or in that plot device that mm-hmm. you know we all, we all see it coming but yeah yeah nothing nothing new under the sun with that but that's okay so, but yeah uh, it was pretty effective creepy climax too like it i think i don't know it just a lot of stuff in this movie if by you know happy accident or not actually ended up working even though you know like a lot of slasher movies it's got a lot of kind of less impressive pieces obnoxious characters and such but where it where it shines is in the the parts where it works and that i think is the the detective element of it the magic slash costume element of the killer and you know just some of the creepy claustrophobic scenes that it sets being that they only have the the space of a train to work with that was something that struck me with this again to repeat like walking into this one it was like ah this is going to be like prom night on a train and in many ways it is except Mm. it's better than prom night by far technically it's better yeah. storytelling wise it's better pacing it's better just everything the the killer doesn't sound like a you know an asthmatic the entire time it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't have leslie nielsen in an odd role it's fine um but at, at the same time it does have its flaws i mean it's not yeah it's got absolutely. a lot of some you know odd bad acting and kind of kind of silly things but uh, yeah, yeah gratuitous night. unnecessary nudity for like, yeah. a split second, but <laughs> right. But at the same time, prom night seems to be more popular. You hear it referenced more often, and I wonder how yeah. much of that is because it has a sequel that has nothing to do with the first one. Yeah. Um, it, you know, so that's more of a franchise, and this one wasn't. This one just kind of like yeah. it was a, a flash and a bang, if even that. I think that's kind of what makes Terror Train a little more interesting, maybe, as it is one of the rare one-offs 
but it's a one-off that's not a total disaster because some of the other slasher one-offs I've seen right. are just bad, you know, really poor movies, and that's why they're a one-off. But yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I feel like this one is a little more obscure, and that's unfortunate because I think it is a better movie than the one that gets more attention for being practically the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like when we talked about Stir of Echoes, and we we kept referencing like the Sixth Sense because there's clearly comparisons between the two, but one is a little better at like just telling a story, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like this is this is one of those two. But uh, I'm yeah. kind of I'm kind of already moving into like the final thoughts and grading, but yeah, so you get you kind of get the idea. Yeah, well, and I don't think we're at that we're at that point if, unless uh, there's something some other big like thematic thing you wanted to talk about but otherwise i think we're ready to say final thoughts and give this thing a grade yeah um i guess for for me one of the things that that surprised me about this movie is its simplistic effectiveness it's not overly complicated it's telling i mean yes a, a derivative story for the time a lot of slashers use this exact same plot and jamie lee curtis around yeah. this time this is like kind of a thing like oh the revenge movie and then there's a a, a a kind of lame slasher yeah i mean and this isn't like a really scary movie or anything like that but um it it's definitely better like i just said better than the one that gets more attention which is surprising mm. um Honestly, I mean, while the acting in this one is subpar, most low-budget horror films at any era are going to have, eh, you know, acting and effects and so on. But this one actually does some kind of cool stuff. Like you mentioned, given its space on the train um, Mm -hmm. and all these costume changes, it's very dated and it's ridiculous and goofy. But at the same time, I mean, it's not trying to be anything more than what it is, and uh, it's it's kind of a it's a nice it, it's an effective little film. It works pretty well. So I'm actually going to give this one just like a perfect midline C, which I feel okay. like is a good way of kind of ending 2021. Is it's a C? <laughs> There's been some Damn. horrible shit. There's been some cool shit. It balances. It's a C. So we'll go there. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I'm kind of on the same same page there. I think overall it was pretty standard slasher stuff, um, but the things that were that did shine were the the kind of the tra- the way they made the train setting work. Uh, ben Johnson and his uh, his performance I think carried a lot of the ma- making the the plot move forward and making it a lot more interesting um, than just your average you know drunk teenagers being slaughtered by a killer. Um, it has some strength. Like Jamie Lee Curtis is is perfectly fine in this movie. She's she's same as in Prom Night. She does she shows up, does her thing. She does it well, good enough. Um, but yeah, the sincere performances from people like Ben Johnson, um, Derek McKinnon, who is a non actor, uh, who is a tra- uh, a trans transvestite performer or uh, yeah drag show performer, uh, that um came in as a non-actor to play the killer like Kenny Hampson in this movie um, does a really good job with it. He's pretty creepy <laughs> on screen and, and works in, in disguises and such and um, the the final reveal that he's been the assist, the magician's assistant all along although not surprising I think you know it, it works. I think the whole thing he, he sells the performance very well um, and I was, I was impressed with that especially being that he was a non-actor and supposedly feuded with the director over his inability to keep a schedule so but yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> but which the director turned it out turned out later on uh, being very complimentary of his performance but said working with him was a pain um but yeah it's a uh, yeah pretty much standard slasher stuff some of the ideas the mystery and suspense of it work really well overall it's a very watchable stupid slasher movie essentially versus prom night that is not so much it's prom night gets boring prom nights uh just really marred by its poor production quality and and poor acting and and such this one kind of overcomes some of those challenges although it's all still here um 
yeah if there's also a few more i think this movie could have benefited actually from a few more character scenes um than it than it got which sounds weird for a horror movie but um developing some of the relationships a little more might have helped um mm-hmm. may, you know helped make it a little more memorable but what we got was good enough i think to get through it I'm going to land it, actually. I think it's fairly enjoyable, especially from the fact that it's a one-off I didn't know much about. All I knew it, all I knew it was by reputation of it being, like, the third piece in the Jamie Lee Curtis, like, terror trilogy of, you know, Halloween, Prom Night, and Terror Train. And um, I think it actually, based on expectations, maybe set by Prom Night, um, impressed me. So I think I'm going to land at a, a B-minus on this one. I actually think it's fairly enjoyable, oh, as long as you know what you're getting in getting into so cool cool well yeah yeah awesome so we're kind of following the b minus to the c range for terror train but we would love to know what any of our listeners think of this one um you can find this one actually on amc plus if you haven't found some other illicit way of watching it and we would love to hear your thoughts on terror train or any of your other questions comments criticisms or witticisms at the video junkyard podcast at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter at video junk pod and on facebook at our main video junkyard podcast page or the video junkyard podcast group we would love to hear what you have to say and if you write it we'll read it and we hope to hear from you and if you like what you hear, the Video Junkyard Podcast does have an official Patreon page. Uh, head over there to patreon.com slash Podcast and check out all the different tiers and perks that we have uh, for any level of donation. Whether you choose to donate or not, we are always happy that you have joined us. And hope you will come back to the Video Junkyard Podcast to check out some interesting stuff we have coming up. Next week, we are going to be listening to the rescheduled um movie odd thomas from 2013 starring anton yelchin and uh, willem dafoe followed by the 2000 and off the top of my head five is it uh, movie constantine starring keanu reeves um which is a much aligned a maligned movie but i uh, feel like that one needs a revisit um if you feel the same please revisit with us and uh, join us for the show um plus much many many other good things coming up on the podcast stay tuned we will post the schedule um when we get a chance on the uh facebook page so check back there as often as you can and uh, see what's coming up on the podcast we want to thank you once again for listening to the video junker podcast and we hope you have a very happy new year and we thank you for joining us to, uh, to help bring in your new year uh going into 2020 and so from all of us here at the video junker podcast to you we hope you have a happy new year happy holidays and until next time i'm joe peterson and i'm eric branson saying you're always walking out of my parties but this time you can't You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast on Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. <laughs>